Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join T2 and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. So welcome to the T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson. And me, Lydia English. Lydia, when was the last time we did one of these? A while ago. Must be a year. I know you've done one with Tracy, haven't you? Yeah. Lydia is back in the podcast room. It's not her favourite thing to do in the world. Nope. But she's got no choice. I drag her in. And when you're involved in a piece of work like this, Lyd, you've got no choice. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to spend a quick half an hour and we're going to talk about, I think, an amazing piece of work we've done recently. It took a long time. You uh, managed my expectations well. Yep. Kept pushing me back and saying, don't rush me. Um <laughs> And that is our framework for elite sports performance, which is called 21.0. Yes. So first, thank, firstly, thank you for your support on it. I'm That's really okay. pleased with it. And I guess what we want to do is just talk through it. What is 21.0? Uh, how does it help sp- elite sports organizations and teams understand the key to in- interdisciplinary approaches? Mm-hmm. How do we get that collaboration between the functions at elite sports level, which is really the opportunity? Because I think to start off, Lid, what we found was elite sports teams are really good in their functions. They're all experts. They've all got PhDs. Yeah. You know, they're all like world class, but pulling it all together, the bit between the boxes in terms of making it work in collaboration is a big, big, still a big opportunity in the sports world. Yeah, definitely. It's also come on the back of us working with elite sports teams over the last four years, from rugby Mm -hmm. teams to football teams to cycling, and what our observations are in terms of, you know, the opportunities. So we're going to walk through it, and it might be worth just saying, Lid, just for anybody who's not heard you on a podcast before or doesn't know you, (laughs) Lydia's Lydia's got a master's in science in occupational psychology, and you've been at T2 now four years? Nearly four years nearly four years. She heads up our research and content department and basically puts a lot of the sense behind what we do. Yeah, I try. Whilst keeping me legal Mm, and factually correct. That's the hardest bit. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. So just first question, Lid, how did you find the whole, when I dumped it on you and said, right, this is my theory, this is my model, go and research it and put some stats behind it and some research behind it. How did you find it? I mean, it's sort of what you love doing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the research bit is the hardest bit. It's sifting through hundreds and hundreds of articles, finding the key bits from each one. Um, Some areas were harder than others, which we'll delve into in a bit more detail. But yeah, it was okay. Once you've got the research there, the writing, it is not that hard. But it's getting the facts and the research. And the reason that was important is because I've got these theories and this experience in elite sports work, Mm -hmm. but am I right? And what's out there to support and substantiate the different areas of this model? And that's what you was set out to do, wasn't it? Look, we've got to make sure that we're aligned with the research that's all, all that's out there and that other sports teams across the globe are working on the things we're talking about. Yeah, exactly, yeah. All right, so 21.0, I dreamt this up, I think, one night in terms of when I looked at elite sports teams, Lid, there were 21 points mm-hmm. across six different areas of what I call the elite sports equation that I observed the highest performing teams 
working on. Mm -hmm. So 21.0 was born because my strap line was if elite sports teams focus on 21 areas and improve them all and have zero excuses because we can control them all, then you're going to drive up overall team performance. So 21.0 was born. But let's just start with the elite sports equation. So the elite sports equation was six areas. Yeah. It was this, number one, you have to have the right talent. So yep. talent is a section. Number two, in the right environment. Number three, who are physically on point. So you've got the physical aspect. Number four, technical, who are technically excellent. Number five, tactical, tactically astute. Mm-hmm. And number six, psychological. They have to be psychologically aware. Yeah. And those are six areas when teams have the assemble the right talent, create the right environment, they get them physically on point and prepared. Technical excellence with absolutely ta- tactical, being tactically astute, um, with a big focus on psych- the psychological side of sports performance. That's where the magic happens. And what we did, Lid, is we broke down those six areas into 21 further areas across those six yeah and that forms 21.0 so let's go into it one by one so let's take talent the first area there are four elements of the 21 under talent Mm -hmm. which is number one the athletes themselves yeah that's a given that's a given arguably whether we go through the next 20 in any form of depth or not i think this is the most important oh yeah if they Athletes are rubbish. You're not yeah. going to do very well, are you? <laughs> Sport is different to business and, and corporates and public sector. Sometimes you say hire the right people and skill them in uh, in the workplace. Yeah. In sports, you have to have the right natural talent or a certain level of talent to work with in the first place. Yeah. Number two, the leaders of mm-hmm. the sports organizations. Number three, the specialisms. And number four, the partners, the, the people they bring in from the outside to support sports performance when we talk about number three the specialisms that's the people in the different functions whether it's nutritionists coaches yeah physios physios aerodynamics gurus whatever it might be yeah so when it was when when you started researching this first area where and we use this strap line for this the first four parts of 21.0 i.e the athletes the leaders the specialist specialism and the partners we say sports organizations who assemble top talent with the potential to excel in their field Mm -hmm. that's the starting point yeah how did you find researching this was this possibly the easiest of the six areas three of the areas were the area I struggled with the most was leaders because when we say leaders we don't just mean your coaches and your you know your team managers who are actually in charge of the athletes we cover a broader spectrum there so we're actually talking about all leaders within the sporting organization and when I was looking at the research there wasn't that much that covered the actual organizational leaders there was loads on coaches and stuff like that but nothing on like the CEO the team principals exactly yeah yeah because they're sometimes although they are in charge they don't get as much of as, as the sort of the the limelight, if you like, as maybe a head coach. Yeah. So they're almost like back office, but they are senior leaders, aren't they, in the sporting yeah, exactly. world? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I guess it, it from my observation is is culture starts with them, even in sporting organisations. Oh yeah. So the the it's in, it's absolutely incredibly important that you assemble the right talent. Yeah. And just because they're not. Um, a specialism if you like they're not a head coach or they're not 
an engineer in Formula One or mm-hmm. whatever it might be, these people need to be commercially astute, create yeah. a culture of high performance culture. They need to manage finances and salary caps and all of that stuff, the negotiation yeah. side of stuff of the commercial world really well, the marketing function, the yeah. brand, everything. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a there was a bit out there, but not it wasn't as easy and clear cut as you would think is what you're saying. No. Cool. So um talent is the first area of the elite sports equation. There's four elements of the 21 under them, the athletes, the leaders, the specialisms in the functions and the partners that sports organizations bring in to support high performance. Just a quick one on that. Was there a lot out there on sports teams, high performing sports teams who engage external partners? There wasn't loads. There was, um, in terms of, so, so some sporting organisations get external companies that come in um, to work on the physical side of things. But in terms of um, working on the organisational side of things, there wasn't, which um, made it quite difficult to find stuff in the research. However, because we've done our work with the Ineos Grenadiers and rugby and football teams, we at Trans2 had the case studies there which we could use to support it and i think you know that's why you put partners into the equation yeah because we know it works we know it works we've we've been engaged for not as good as sports teams are they don't have every single um level of expertise that you need certainly in some of the more recent emerging areas of sports performance like culture and identity and psychology and mental skills etc cool okay so let's go to the second uh, part of the elite sports equation which was environment mm-hmm. uh, there were another four areas of the 21 in here which was culture and identity was number yeah. five um organizations who create a really good culture and they have a clear identity of who they are and what they stand for uh, facilities in a state yeah. so that's number six you know organize sports teams who invest in and have world-class facilities in estates Technology and equipment, and number eight, organizational process. Mm -hmm. So this was, if you're going to create the right environment for sports performance to flourish, you need to have a clear culture and an identity. You need to have world-class facilities and a state. You need to invest in and continually evolve your technology and the equipment that you use. And you need to have robust organizational processes in terms of how you actually get things done. And the strap line we use on this is sports organizations who foster a high performance culture, have a clear identity, develop a world-class infrastructure, efficient processes, and whom are technologically advanced. Yes. Was there a bucket of research on this or again, was it mixed? It was mixed. The one I struggled with the most was the organizational process. Um, There just wasn't that much research on there. And um, it's, it's kind of the the research within the organizational functions of sporting organizations kind of don't really start until maybe the late 1980s. And that was with the introduction of the sports management as a function. As a function, yeah. And that's when kind of all the research started, but it's still very limited. Um, And yeah, in terms of the organizational process, the way things are run and stuff, there's not a lot of research out there. I agree with you. My, having worked in elite sports for four years, as a consultant, I absolutely observe that there is a lack of, uh, it's the processes that get them. Yeah. Because in, in a traditional business, we we set up our business models with a lot of processes. Mm. You know, if you want to pay the payroll, you've got a process. If you want to do a, 
individual development plans for career progression. You have processes for that. If you want to transact um, something operationally via an ERP system or yeah. you want to engage with the customer on the CRM system, you have a process. So we, we, we build around process where sports teams generally don't do that. They sort of find out how they want to run and they're making up processes along the way. Yeah. So they're quite disjointed. And that's sometimes where the collaboration piece falls down through a lack of process. Yeah. Cool. All right. Seg- let's keep this moving. Se- segment three of the um, of the Elite Sports Equation, which has got five of the 21 points in, was physical. So this is something that I truly believe in my experience, a lot of sports teams are on. Oh, this yeah. is their bread and butter. It. So things like number nine, strength and conditioning. 10, nutrition of the athletes. 11, sleep and recovery. 12, data and analysis adoption to support physical yeah. advancement and 13 individual development plans. Yes. Now, if there was any that some sports teams don't have nailed down as much as the others, it's probably individual development plans for athletes. Yeah. A lot of them are there, though. But this, no, sports organizations who enhance natural talent by helping them achieve a peak physical state mm-hmm. through those five things, it's their bread and butter lid. There must have been loads on this. Oh, yeah, there was. Spoiled for choice. Um like you said there about the individual development plans that's probably the trickiest area because it's not necessarily research on it even though we know sporting organizations implement them and they work individually with each athlete um a lot of the studies did focus on the strength and conditioning and sleep in particular so much on sleep and the link between sleep and sports performance yeah you there's no shortage of stuff on there and it's it's one of the things where we've gone in as t2 and obviously this this is not our bag. We don't consult on strength and conditioning, nutrition, sleep, etc. We consult on leadership and culture and yeah. um, you know mindset and mental skills and psychology. But they've got this nailed down. They've got every oh, yeah. ism and every PhD under the sun working on these things, and yeah. that's really where they excel. Okay, let's go on to the next segment, which has got only three of the twenty-one points in, which mm-hmm. is the technical side of elites, the elite sports equation. Yeah. And it's number 14, core skills development, developing the core skills for technical ability of athletes. Yeah. 15 is developing development tools and equipment to aid yeah. how you develop technical abilities. And 16 was more the technological and mechanical innovation mm-hmm. in sports where you need, you use something to aid performance, like yeah. in Formula One, a Formula One car. Yeah. Or it might be a golf clubs in golf or if, if you use a technology or something mechanical in the sporting arena that you apply your trade in, mm-hmm. then obviously that becomes high on the agenda of the, of the technical capability. Yeah. And the strap line for this lead was sports organizations who have a world-class capability in coaching and developing technical excellence, yeah. either through techniques and development or through equipment, they tend to excel. Yeah. I'm guessing as well, this was quite a, yeah, a this is a amount. really interesting area for me because I don't really know a lot about sports, to be to be honest. I've, I've learned so much uh, during this process and the research coming out on the, this stuff, it's coming out all the time, constantly. And some of the stuff I've covered in the report is coming out as late as, you know, this year, 2022. Um, and I think it's just all, it's constantly being worked on all the technology and everything that contributes towards sports performance. Awesome. Next segment, let's move it along because I want to cover off how you roll 21.0 out at the end of this podcast. Tactical. So there was only two areas of the 21 in this segment, Mm. but tactical sports organizations who create clear goals and build a tactical plan to achieve them. 
there was number 17, clearly defined vision and goals, helps yep. you with your tactics. And 18 was success, success plan, strategy and tactics in each individual game or race yep. or whatever it might be, match, fight, etc. So this really boiled down to how well coaches, specialisms and sports teams are really clear on their vision and goals for what they want to achieve, but yeah. at a granular level, how good were they at actually coming up with strategies and tactics to actually uh, gain competitive advantage? Yeah. I think you used a couple of examples of this. Was it Mourinho we used uh, where he changes his tactics per the opposition? Yeah, every single time he every... changes them, yeah. yeah. Uh, so some people change to adapt to the opposition. Some people have a set tactical plan that they stand by and it's their philosophy yeah but it was quite interesting reading the different approaches to this wasn't it yeah definitely and um I say in the report that these two areas are, are interlinked you know if you don't have the vision and the goals there you know you don't have the the tactics you need the tactics to help achieve that the vision and the goals of yeah. the organization you need to know so, where you're going exactly which then feeds into what do we need to achieve at each individual stage and level to advance us forward yeah. towards our goal yeah. absolutely they're intrinsically linked cool and the last area which was the final three points of the 21 was psychological yeah sports organizations who develop the psychological awareness and mental agility required to understand their self others and how to deal with thoughts and feelings under pressure and duress yeah. this is possibly the most evolved area of sport elite sports performance over the last 10 to 20 years yeah. you know sports psychology in particular and mental skills and how athletes prepare mentally for performance how they deal with their emotions mm -hmm. how they operate under pressure um it, it's become absolutely huge in the world of elite yeah. sports the three areas we've got down in 21.0 is number 19 self-awareness and emotional intelligence yeah you know we want we work a lot in this area, and if if the, if there's one thing we've impacted in the sports teams we've worked with, it's definitely on getting them to be more self-aware of who they are naturally. Yeah. What's their best self? What's their shadow self? What triggers them? What uh, you know? What pushes their buttons under pressure? How can they be more self-aware of who they are and how they're wired? Yeah. Number twenty is resilience. Mm -hmm. Resilience is your ability then to maintain performance or maintain your state under that duress and pressure. Yeah. And then there's mental agility, number 21, yeah. which is how do I shift from one state to another? How do I interpret the pressure that I'm experiencing? But then I have the mental agility to switch into a different mode. And we often yeah. talk the difference between threat state and challenge state in elite yes. sports. Some athletes don't have the mental agility to shift. No. They come under pressure, they go into a threat state, they become consequence-driven, yeah. and they cannot perform to their peak. Yeah. What we're talking about with mental agility is those athletes who recognize they're about to enter a threat state. Yeah. They're self-aware enough, but then they have that resilience level that says, no, 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 I'm not going there. Yeah. And I've got the coping mechanisms and the knowledge to choose challenge state. Yeah. Or if they do go there, having the ability to bring themselves out of a threat state back into a challenge. Quickly. Quickly. Before it, it completely inhibits performance. Yeah. Absolutely. And coaches play a vital role in this and manage as well. Some of the work we've done at T2 in the elite sports world with the teams we've worked with is not only with the athletes, but the coaches. So if your athlete goes into a threat state mm -hmm. and you can see they become overly consequence driven, how do you communicate with them and how do you support them to 
to induce a challenge state in them. Yeah. Because that's that's even sometimes the athlete doesn't know that they're in a threat state. No. They don't know what's going on. It's all going wrong, right? <laughs> so the so the coaching side of it to support athletes through that process and into a challenge state is incredibly important. Yeah. I'm guessing there was loads of stuff on this area. Oh of yeah. Yeah. Psychology. So 21.0. There are 21 points over six areas that we've just covered there. What we found, Lid, is, and what I found is, individually, most sports teams do a great job of all of the 21 things. Yeah. Or most of them, not all of mm. them, most of them. Um, but what they're not really great at is bringing it all together. No. It's very siloed at times. If you're, not com- if you're not communicating and you're not collaborating and integrating that performance across all six areas and 21 points, it can become very disjointed, very yeah. duplicated, very fragmented and 21.0 is this notion that if you want interdisciplinary performance Mm -hmm. they all have to work together yeah exactly so the model is this isn't it it's 21 points 21 high performance points Mm -hmm. zero excuses yeah and here's how we work with organizations and how the model works number one you have to have a scoping session with a sports team or a sports organization sit down dissect this and say, let's do a bit of a rag analysis. Mm-hmm. Where are you strong? Where are you improving? Yeah. And where are you absolutely not exploiting right now? Yeah. So we do a little bit of a scoping session on it. We then implemented a task force, didn't we? Yes. You've got to assemble a task force, which means across the 21 areas, someone has to own and be the lead, the champion for each of the areas. Yeah, represent each area. And it doesn't have to be 21 people, does it? One no. person, for example, can take on five areas of 21.0. Yeah. For example, the the, the head of S&C can take on the, all five areas in physical. Mm. You know, the, the head coach or the team principal can take on all the cultural elements. And yeah. So, so you'll probably end up with a task force of a dozen people. Mm maximum to to do it but the task force is important because you assemble it and the task force is then going to be be required to work together collaboratively on to use a brailsford term to 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 find marginal gains in each of the 21 areas but we do it in conjunction with each other yeah constantly communicating and collaborating so we're not you know, we're not duplicating. We're not stepping on each other's toes. Yeah. One thing that I do is not impacting another area negatively. We have to go forward as a collective task force. Yes. If we're going to improve all twenty-one areas in in the in the six parts of the elite sports equation, so the task force kickoff is important. Mm-hmm. Now, the way you score this is we've created high performance indicators. Yes. So you've. Each team have to come up, the task force has to come up with their high performance indicators because a cricketing team is different to a cycling team, mm-hmm. different to a rugby team, etc. So you, the task force has to define their high performance indicators yeah. for their areas of 21.0. Yeah. Then it becomes bespoke to them. Yes, exactly. And, and, and we put a traffic light system on this, didn't we? Yeah. So it's literally a red, amber, green. Yeah. So low performance, adequate performance. High performance. Yeah. So, so each member of the task force says, right, this is where we are today. We are agreeing on this. We are agreeing on that. But we're amber in these two areas and we're a flashing red on this. Yeah. And each time the task force meets, which we say is monthly, we do a quick traffic light analysis. 
and we're trying to discuss with the rest of the task force, what are we doing to drive up these areas into an amber or a green? Yeah. And how can you support me? How can my fellow functions support me if I need any support in doing yeah. that? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the task force is to meet monthly um, and assess the high performance indicators against the 21 points. And the lead person on the task force will take their turn in presenting what they're doing to improve it and what support they might need from the wider task force. Yes. Um, and then what we do at T2 is we drop in quarterly mm-hmm. and we just add guide and advise and make sure we assess where are we, what uh, improvements have we achieved, yeah. what might be some guidance and advice on how we can do this, but also six or seven of the 21.0 we're really strong on, which yeah. is if you need to do a identity workshop, you do a cultural piece, if you want to do some leadership development with your leaders on soft skills, on you know, inspiring a challenge state. If you want to do the mental skills with the athletes, yeah. you know, we've got the athlete intentional mindset program that helps them take charge of their mind in pressurized situations. So we can obviously get stuck into certain elements of 21.0, but the task force needs assembling yes. with experts in their field in each area. So everybody's got a piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, with five minutes left, Lid, and we've whizzed through that, 21.0 was born out of our experience of four years working in elite sports and observing that they do a lot of things incredibly well. Yeah. And they're so advanced in many areas. But for me, it, it can be at times disjointed. Yeah. It can be, it, it lacks collaboration and integration, that interdisciplinary approach that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And those teams who are, absolutely excelling and who are getting it right seem to find a better way of coming together yeah and 21.0 gives elite sports teams the opportunity to understand how that works put a task force together create high performance indicators for each of the areas yeah and take sole responsibility for driving them up but the most important point is we do it together and in collaboration and not in isolation yeah that's the key isn't it it is the key um, any final comments from you on this lid? I know you've you said before this you was learning a lot about sports. I mean, your your game is researching and finding data and learning and yeah. putting it all together and stuff like this. But I think one of the things I'm I'd like to finish with, which I read, which was your final summary on the paper. There. And by the way, if anybody's interested in the actual research paper we've written on twenty one point zero, you can find it on our website, trans 2 performance dot com. Um, or email us at help at trans2performance.com and we can send you a copy. Mm-hmm. But you wrote, the 21.0 framework has been created on the back of calls in the re- in the research for additional interdisciplinary approaches to achieving success with professional sports organizations and teams. The pro- proposed framework is made of six areas, 21 points to assist organizations in ultimate sporting success. So what you're saying is there is you've read a lot that says that backs our philosophy. Yeah. It's not just our theory. Back to our philosophy that says there are calls in the industry for research for interdisciplinary approaches to achieving sports success. Yeah. So from what I could uh, see, there are a couple of models that already exist, interdisciplinary ones, Um, but they focus on the physical, um, psychological, biomechanic side of things. And there's not anything out there that I'm aware of um, that covers the occupational, the cultural, the um, organizational aspects. The, the entire end to end. Yeah. You know, if you think about what we've done here with 21.0, we've gone, 
from the very top with culture and identity, right down to organizational processes, right, to the sporting athlete side of things, to the coaches, to the functions, to the engineering and technology side of things, right, across the board, to the mental and the the psychological side of things. Yeah. This is end-to-end every aspect of an elite sports function that needs to intertwine, collaborate, and work as one. Yeah, exactly. And to our knowledge, there's been calls for a long time now to understand what that looks like Mm -hmm. and how it works. So hopefully this is useful. And as I say, although we at T2 and our primary expertise is going to be to support people with those soft skills, the leadership skills, the identity and culture piece, the mindset and psychological side of things, um, the model that we've created was designed to say, well, look, let's start with that. Let's put something together Mm -hmm. that gives us a framework to work with. And it also, with the high performance indicators, it allows us to track and measure progress from where we were to how we're tracking to where we want to be. Yeah. And that's ultimate. I mean, the ultimate metric, isn't it, in sport is if you win. Well, yeah. If you (laughs) achieve a higher league position, if you make a European, you know, competition, if you win races, if you win fights, you know, whatever it might be, that's the ultimate uh, measurement of sporting success. But what 21.0 does is breaks that down to an even more granular level Mm -hmm. to say, are we improving the inputs, the things that goes into that end result? Because if so, the end result should be a byproduct of that at some point. Yes. Love it. With 50 seconds to go as well, Lyd. Lydia, I know it's not your favorite thing to do, but you always relax into it and speak really well. I'm going to have to drag you on the podcast even more because (laughs) although I come up with the ideas and I go out there and do the work, you're in the background doing a lot of the hard work that actually puts the credibility behind it. So for that, I thank you very much. No problem at all. And if we get any any more sports gigs in exotic locations, you can come out with me and we'll do 21.0. I'll carry your bags. And do 21.0 together. (laughs) Lydia English, thank you very much. Thank you. And we'll be back shortly with another T2 Hubcast.